Welcome to the Everyone's a Critic Movie Review Podcast. I'm your co-host, Bob Zarel. Let me see if my mic is on. I can't hear myself anymore. That sucks. <laughs> That's bad news. Uh, it's I still going, though. It's going, so I guess I'm going. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> with me, as always, is professional film critic Sean Patrick. Visit us at IHateCritics.net, Everyone's a Critic Podcast.com. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Our handle is CriticsPod. Uh, subscribe to the show there. Uh, like us. Listen to us at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Alexa, all your podcatchers. Uh, give us a five-star review on any platform you listen to us on and let us know you gave it to us. And we will read your review on the air and you'll be entered into a chance to win uh, a couple Blu-rays, uh, your choice of a few. Uh, but go to our social media sites. To, they're pinned to the top of the page, the details on that contest. Patreon.com slash CriticsPod. The best way to help support the podcast. Uh, T Public is our merch uh, vendor. Go to IHateCritics.net, click on the T Public link, or go to T Public and search Everyone's a Critic Movie Review Podcast or Critics Pod if you want some of our podcast merch. We still haven't been sued by, by uh, Willem Dafoe, we so not- we're doing well. No, we have not. <laughs> no cease and desist. Nope. <laughs> <clears throat> and Cameron Diaz as well. <laughs> uh, and then we are live on YouTube whenever we record. We will post the link to the live episode on Facebook and Twitter if you happen to be on those platforms when we go live. Subscribe to us on YouTube and click on the uh, bell up on the top of the screen. All right, let's get into the episode. We will start with, first I'll share the screen for the YouTube listeners, viewers, whatever. And we will start with He Is All That. He's All That stars Addison Ray and T- Tanner Buchanan in a uh, gender-flipped version of the horrific 1999 movie that uh, scarred me for life. Um, starring Freddie Prince Jr. and Rachel Lee <laughs> Cook, who's also in this movie, though... Whether she's playing the same character or not is unclear. They apparently don't care about that. They just they have her back, but they don't really care if it's related to the first movie or not. Um, but the story is pretty much the same. Instead of uh, instead of being, uh, he, he's kind of like a kid who like cosplays as like a '90s grunge kid. So that's his. That's why he's you know. But he's also got six pack abs and a beautiful singing voice and. <laughs> and he's hiding perfect hair underneath his knit cap. Uh, she's a social media influencer. Instead of just me- being merely popular, she's popular around the world. Courtney um, Kardashian is her agent. <laughs> but uh, so her boyfriend, she catches her boyfriend cheating on her uh, on a, while she's live streaming. And, and she, she ends up going viral in the wrong way because everybody starts making fun of her instead of him even though he was the one who got caught cheating. So she starts losing a bunch of followers and her, her manager says that she's got to get her followers back or she's going to lose her makeup sponsorships or whatever, but she's got a a real secret though, Bob This is a real secret. She's secretly a poor person. (sighs) You don't think if you, if you think for a moment that that's going to get held against her later, uh, trust me, that's not what happens. Um, <laughs> do they know what influencers are? I mean, it sounds like they have this whole thing backwards. You go viral, usually you don't lose followers, you gain them, even if it's in the wrong way. 
Mm-hmm. All right. It, it, this, I mean, it's a terrible movie. This is a movie that's sponsored. This movie, this is a movie that has a scene where the bottles of core water are better are better framed in the shot than the actual actors are. Uh, there's a this is a movie where I, where the, the the entire scene gets stopped because somebody goes free pizza hut pizza, and then they get they smash cut to the pizza, and then a smash cut to her holding a slice of the pizza before she doesn't eat it because people in Hollywood don't eat food. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't mind product placement when they make a joke of it or I don't notice it. When they're doing mm-hmm. it on purpose, that's kind of... Or they're not... If they're being genuine, that's really annoying. It's just really... They're really bad at it. They're just really bad at their product placement. They don't do anything to try and make it any any less mercenary than it is. And the, the director here is Mark Waters, who just doesn't care. He gave up a long time ago. He's just casting checks from you know making YA movies. That's all. That's all he's doing these days. He, I think, at one time he was a director, but he quit and started just doing this. Kind of carpentry. <laughs> <laughs> he's just sitting there counting money behind the camera, going, "Yeah, that's great. No, it's fantastic. Yeah." And- <laughs> It's the Wes Craven scene from <laughs> Gus Van Sant. The Gus Van Sant scene from, from, from Jane Silent Bob. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the Wes Craven one wasn't much different, if I remember. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I mean, I know her name. I couldn't tell you what she's been in. I mean, I know him from the Karate Kid show. Oh, I, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't know that. Uh, I didn't actually. I don't actually know who she is. I recognize that name. I don't. I think. Uh, but I mean, I, he's good on the Karate Kid show, but I I would never. I did not watch this. I'd never. My wife thought we were going to watch it, and then I turned on another movie on, and she was kind of annoyed. I turned that on. We'll get to that later. <laughs> but, yeah. I so this happened to me. This doesn't happen very often, but it happened to me twice this week, where I received a uh, I received a screener from from Netflix. And and it came with the attachment that the that the embargo date for the review was the same day that the movie was being released. <laughs> so it's like, why did you bother sending this to me? Like, there's no point. It's just gonna it's gonna be on your platform the same day that my review goes live. Like, this is not, this is no there's no benefit to me or you here. Yeah, uh, even my it's, teenage daughter had no interest in this. Movie. Really? Yeah. Which is why we didn't that's, watch it. Which is odd. <laughs> that's what this movie is aimed at, is that that audience. If they're not getting that audience, then I'm sure they are, but... Yeah, I'm sure they're getting it to an extent. But, yeah, it's... And if you have the the parents who are like, this is from our childhood, it's a remake, that <laughs> probably doesn't help your case. It's <laughs> very rarely do my does my daughter specifically want to watch anything from our era, let alone a remake of it. I, I can say that this is better than that one because you know, like I said, that movie. I the only I think the only time I've I've had like literally throw um, like I was about to throw up during this movie in '99. Oh, is there a pube scene or something like that? The pubic hair pizza scene. Yes, it's still and Pizza Hut was a sponsor in this in this one. <laughs> What the hell is wrong with Pizza Hut? <laughs> they didn't do that in this movie. I know, but the 
just the <laughs> just the callback. Yeah. Now I forgot about that until you mentioned you almost <laughs> threw up. So maybe that's why. That's but true. I've seen sallow and I didn't throw up. <laughs> but pubic hair on a pizza and Freddie Prince Jr. is just too much. Yeah. <laughs> all right. That's enough of he's all that. Let's move yeah. on to Hulu and let's watch Vacation Friends. This was the other instance where, again, I received a screening link for this and they gave me a same day embargo date. <laughs> Uh, this is the same like back in the day this used to be the thing where they put the movie out on Friday and not show it to anybody beforehand like you could go to Rotten Tomatoes and still not see any reviews it's the same thing uh, it's just posting it the same day uh, Vacation Friends stars uh, Lil Rel Howery as Marcus and uh, John Cena as uh, his new buddy Ron they meet while on vacation in Mexico uh, Howery and his wife are, yeah, Howery's taking his girl down there to propose to her and uh, get and uh, you know get uh, engaged and he ends up uh getting and get becoming friends with these two people uh and and all sorts of wacky adventures ensue i i don't hate this completely i was surprised because i i really went into it with a bad attitude especially with the the same day embargo day i thought like this is gonna be garbage but i gotta say john cena surprised me repeatedly uh, I think the movie kind of hit something with me in terms of tone when they served the margaritas in their room and instead of using salt, they had cocaine on the <laughs> they used cocaine instead of salt. And I was like, okay, this is that's setting a that's setting a bar here. <laughs> and Cena just never lets up. That's the really the thing about his character is this he does not let up throughout the entire movie. He is the happiest puppy dog on the planet, just bouncing from scene to scene with so much energy that you're you're kind of surprised. I, I was I definitely was surprised the way he held that down. Because in Blockers, he played the you know the, the little Ral Howard character. He played the straight guy. And that seemed to be like, okay, that seems more like John Cena's speed. This is far better than Blockers. This is way better than Blockers. <laughs> and he's far funnier here. Uh, this fully unrestrained John Cena. I, I laughed a lot during this movie. I wouldn't say it's a great movie or anything. It's certainly not an all-time great comedy. It's not one of the best movies of the year or anything, but in terms of passable like uh, comedy, uh, considering most of the weekend was like, you know, he's all that or, you know, heavy horror stuff. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, this, this was a welcome little breath of fresh air in between all that. I, I couldn't agree more. I, I was maybe it was because I had the bar so low. Because yeah, uh, when helped. it first started, <laughs> I wasn't really laughing, and my wife was like on the floor. <laughs> and uh, I and I haven't been buzzed, or I definitely haven't been drunk in a long time. Really, haven't even been buzzed. I don't drink yeah. that much, but I did. I was a little bit buzzed watching this, and then it just after a while, it's I started laughing more and more. Uh, Due to her enjoying it, sometimes someone else laughing when you don't think it's funny takes you even more out of the movie. But they just kept catching me off guard enough yeah. <laughs> that it it kind of worked. I, I I and I don't know. Like I know John Cena, Lil Rel, Hallery. I don't know the two women in this. No, I don't. But either. They're equally as good. She yeah. holds up with John Cena, and uh, I don't know. The four of them have this amazing chemistry. They know what movie they're in. And they mm-hmm. just make the most of it, and it just is kind of stupid fun. And it, it it's super silly, but it it really works. And like I said, John Cena just his energy is so great. 
I never expected that. No. I, and part of me wants to be like, this is the best he's ever been in a movie. And Honestly, yeah. I mean, maybe when you look the, at the Amy yeah. Schumer movie, Trainwreck, but Some he's of that, barely yeah. in that. Right. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he's got great charisma. He's been decent in all the other movies, but this, he just really. Him and Lil Rel really carry this movie, and more so John Cena because he has to play the crazy guy. You need the straight guy to make the crazy guy work. Uh, it's just a great chemistry between the four of them, and part of me is like, I want to be friends with all of them. <laughs> <laughs> it just they really sounds do. like fun. They, they thread the needle very well in, in, in the idea that, come on, you really do want to be their friends. Like, yeah, I know you're running away right now, but you do want to kind of be their friends, don't you? <laughs> yeah, I mean, all of it is just, I don't even know what my favorite part is. I mean, right now I'm thinking of the golf scene where it's just, I mean, and I don't, I'm not comparing this to Hangover because Hangover is better, right. but there is such ridiculous stuff that happens in that movie that's realistic enough where you just laugh. I mean, like the tiger being in the back of, or in the bathroom, you know, it's just funny that they'd get a tiger there. The yeah. fact that he would, you know, I don't even want to spoil what happens to get there, but it's so out there but so believable <laughs> that it's just kind of funny in a crazy way mm-hmm. and i don't know i just i was pleasantly surprised probably will never watch it again but it was a i good expect experience. that there, there's a scene late where where there's a big misunderstanding between lil rel and uh john cena and his girlfriend were they're on stage delivering a a a toast and i thought that i thought i was gonna cringe through that yeah i really thought i was gonna cringe through that and then lil rel handles that scene so well that i i didn't feel embarrassed for him and i think that was that was really just a key his his appeal is so strong that i usually a scene like that i'm kind of my skin crawls (laughs) yeah i'd rather i mean I know Ben Stiller. I just didn't know how they were going to pay that off. And then, right. then they paid it off in the best possible way. I did not see that coming no. at all. <laughs> <laughs> and then even as she explains what happened <laughs> and what he saw, <laughs> just, the phrasing of it is, is just really, really good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, you would think like a Ben Stiller movie, you definitely are cringing. And that's the intent. But I, I prefer the way they do it here better. And I guess... You'd probably have to argue a lot of his movies are better than this too, but maybe not. I don't know. I I don't think I'll ever watch this again, but it was a fun experience, and I'm glad I did. If that makes yeah, any it's sense. definitely in the forgettable file. Like it'll be gone in a day, but I I did I enjoyed it while I watched it. All right, let's move on to the colony. The colony. This is, stars uh, Nora Arnazetter as a uh, astronaut from. Uh, Kepler nine, where uh, rich people had gone some 200 years uh, for some 200 years or so uh, in the, in the future, in the future, people become so rich that they can just fly off of the earth and go somewhere else. And they leave behind all the poor people. Uh, And they come back 200 years later because they're having trouble breeding uh, due to the uh, radiation on Kepler. So they've sent back, they've already sent back at least one uh, group of astronauts. And now they've sent back this uh, second group, her and uh, two other astronauts. Um, I was really, I was really not going. I was really going into this with a bad attitude because I don't like dystopian fiction. I don't like you know mu- movies about you know futures where everybody's awful. You know, 
dirty people eating each other and talking about how awful humanity is is not my jam. <laughs> it's just not what I not what I enjoyed. I was definitely expecting this movie to be that, and there are elements of that. But I, I find that Nora Arnazetter is so good in this movie, so entertaining and so interesting, and the pacing is so good in this movie that I didn't get caught up in the whole dystopian thing. I got caught up in how competent and and interesting that she is and what she's doing. She holds this movie together so very well, and, and then. You've got Tim Felbaum's direction that is really smart, where he's just he's really picking all the right spots to change to change the scenery, to to you know, to demonstrate a competency, to move on to something else, and uh, you know continue to evolve this character in this story. He, I, I love the pacing of this. I love the ideas that he's going for here. These giant ships where people live, the the tide that comes in. This movie was initially called Tides, which is a far better title than The Colony, because uh, there's not an actual colony <laughs> mentioned in this movie at all. But uh, I still, I, I really enjoyed this. And they have these two brilliant uh, English uh, character actors whose names now escape me, but uh, the, who play kind of two of the opposite poles that she's drawn towards. And I was really impressed by both those actors. They really made a strong impression. I was surprised because I, like I said, I went into this with a terrible attitude and really, really was compelled by it. I paid for it. I had it on, but I couldn't tell you anything about it because I was so busy. <laughs> that I feel bad. Uh, at least I gave him my money. Uh, it sounds good, but I just, I didn't give it a fair shot and, I apologize to everybody involved with the colony. <laughs> I, I this is far better than, than what she did with uh, what she did with that awful Army of the Dead movie. She was in that. Oh. That was no good. Is that the Batista movie? Yeah. Yeah. This is way better than that. This is really enjoyable. Um, and uh, I'm probably the only person who saw it. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure that'll be it'll pop up on Prime or Netflix or Hulu eventually. Here, this is the kind of movie I think Josh would enjoy. Oh yeah, I'm sure, and I think I would have enjoyed it if I gave it, you know, I had my attention on it. But it was a little too complicated to <laughs> try to do something else while you're watching this movie on your yeah. phone, no less. Uh, there was a 4K version on Amazon, so that means it probably looked pretty good too. So <laughs> that. <laughs> <laughs> I, it just wasn't the right environment. So again, I apologize to all the listeners and the people <laughs> behind this movie. This next one is a movie I made my wife watch instead of He's All That. And it's Bob Ross, Happy Accents, Betrayal and Greed. <clears throat> Go ahead. Yes, yeah, so this is a documentary about the, the, the famous uh, uh, sleep aid, Bob Ross. <laughs> become, ASMR before got, ASMR. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he's uh become he's got this fascinating career where he became he became popular he became a joke he became the uh, absent and then he came back around to being an icon which is where he is now people love him now people are uh, no, no longer ironically love him they genuinely uh, love him he provided a great deal of comfort to people during the pandemic who were stuck at home all day and you know needed something that wasn't the day, the, the news uh, and they turned to him uh this is not about tearing down that legend i know a lot of people were worried that this was going to be about you know going inside and show, showing all the bad things that bob ross ever did he wasn't a bad guy 
apparently that's what we told in this movie is that he's he was you know, he flirted with women but he was happily married he may have had an affair but uh, we don't know for sure and it doesn't really matter it's not the focus of the movie yeah the focus I think, of the, I movie, the line is everybody slept with everybody back then <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> um it was the 70s everybody had a key party it's fine <laughs> <laughs> then, then the wife was like no it was the 80s <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the main thrust of this is about after he died which was in 1995 i believe it was yeah. and he was only he i mean you look at him there how old do you think he is just looking at that picture i mean i saw the movie <laughs> right but i mean he looks like he's about I, 70 I yeah <laughs> i would have said 60s or 70s and he was 52 when he died which is crazy to me i'm only he's only seven years older than me um, when he passes away, but the, the people who controlled his business, uh, BRI, uh, Bob Ross industries, they, they basically didn't want anybody to know he was dead. They thought it would hurt sales. They kept it from people to the point where one of his closest friends didn't even get to go to his funeral because they didn't announce it. They didn't want anybody to know. Um, people obviously did find out they published it in the New York times and whatnot, but uh, bottom line was that I didn't actually know Bob Ross was dead until like 2003, <laughs> like because he was still on PBS. He was still, you know, you still watch his show in syndication at that time. And he was still there was Bob Ross products and stores and stuff. So I actually didn't know he was dead until well after the fact. And that's because they were merchandising the crap out of him. Just everything. They put his name. They put his face and name on a crockpot. What does right. Bob Ross have to do with crockpots? Nothing. Uh, and to top it all off, his son, his one you know actual blood relative who's alive, gets none of this. He, he's not involved in any way uh, due to the shenanigans that these people pulled. And I, I'm I'm with him. I get it. I get what he's I get what he's going for. I also like how complicated their relationship was. You know, he he wasn't a perfect son and he wasn't a perfect father. And they didn't have a perfect relationship. They had an understandable disagreement over. You know, Bob's dedication to himself being on on t television and his son's desire to you know cut his own path. And that's a you know, not that's that's usually not something that uh, that movies explore that type of a relationship. Uh, and then the, the way they came back around to each other and the way he was there for his dad in the final days, but obviously not involved enough in the business side of it to make a difference in that way. It's really unfortunate. Um, I don't know if you could call this journalistic, though. Uh, just because it's it's entirely one sided. Granted, yes, those guys, they, they come off really badly, but it's because they're also not involved in this. The two, the, the owners of BRI, uh, they don't come off very well when we do see them. Uh, but that, again, could be just down to what this movie is trying to say is that Bob Ross is a figure who is being exploited today uh, to to sell products and and how how kind of sad that is. Yeah, it's a sad story, but I don't know if it's a great documentary. Hmm. I it, it one, it took a while to even get there. Uh, they spent mm -hmm. a lot of time just going through his shows and his, you know, introducing the other characters in the documentary. And it's, I think you you don't have to necessarily like him, but like my wife was really really bored. I'm like, you just got to stick with it because <laughs> I think something crazy happens at the end. And it, I don't know, it's. It's fine. You feel for the people involved, but at the same time, I just I don't. 
it's not a documentary. I'm gonna be like, everybody's got to see this. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is weird. I mean, he recorded a ton of shows before he died, like three a day. Mm-hmm. And I think they ran well after he. I mean, you were saying I didn't know till well into the 2000s that he was dead. I couldn't tell you when, but mm-hmm. I don't feel like it was that long ago. Uh, I mean, they still sell shirts of him at Target, which makes mm-hmm. me think some people still think he's a joke, or ironically like him. But you're right with the pandemic; he's definitely a soothing voice, and I, it's neat. But you know, the other painters kind of come off as whiny especially since the other people aren't involved to defend themselves. So Mm -hmm. you you just don't really know, you know, the son wasn't involved. I I don't know there. I don't, I'm not by any means standing behind the people who did everything, but I don't know the scenario because they weren't involved. So it's kind of like you said, journalistic, the Bob Ross Chia pet does not reflect well on them. (laughs) <laughs> and how much they care about him like does he would he really have wanted that i don't know i, I have I, no idea some of the some of the things that they put his face on some of the things that they've done with his likeness i don't know if the bob ross that we meet in this documentary would have wanted any of that in it and, and granted he's not around to ask him so maybe he would have loved it who knows i mean it was hard to tell because like, the sun had mints and coffee cups of it so i mean what yeah, the cheap heads a little bit further than that. But at the same time, he had a goofy haircut on purpose. So yeah. he may have gone. I mean, it's hard to say. Uh, but the, I just, it wasn't as hard hitting as I thought it was going to be. I didn't feel like blown away or like it just took too long to get to the betrayal and greed. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know. I just, it, it was kind of boring, if I'm being honest. <laughs> I'd rather watch a show seven or eight times than that, which I remember as a kid, my brother specifically, because he was an artist, uh, watched him all the time. Not ironically, they're like, he loved watching Bob Ross <laughs> with the kids. And I, I, that was probably like the mid 90s. He was probably dead, and we didn't have no idea. Yeah. But yeah. I, I think I think it was interesting. I found the whole the whole thing interesting just because of trying to place it because he's got such a strange place in culture oh, yeah, and trying sure. trying to find where that where that place is. And uh, some of, a lot of it is kitsch. Uh, a lot of it remains, you know, kitsch appeal. But uh, there's a lot of genuine appreciation out there. And he kind of I, I said in my review that he was earnest before being earnest was cool. <laughs> and that's true. He was, he was perfectly, he was a perfectly straightforward guy. Uh, you know, he, he genuinely believed what he was doing and, and believed in it helped people. And he was right about that. Uh, at the same time, there's a lot you can make fun of about Bob Ross. Yeah. And I, I agree. I think the, I think the story is interesting. I just thought the documentary just wasn't the best documentary in the world. Uh, let's move on to the big movie this week. Candyman. Yes. Uh, candy. Don't say his name too many times in the, cause we were in a, we're in a camera. Maybe that, I don't know if that'll call him forward or not. Well, he said it once. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Candyman directed Twice. by, uh, Nia. Stop calling attention to it. <laughs> Nia DaCosta is the director here. Everybody keeps crediting Jordan, Jordan Peele for this movie. Nia DaCosta, who directed it. She also co-wrote the script with Jordan Peele, but still. Uh, this this is uh, picking up, of course, on the original. This is a sequel to that film uh, in which the uh, the legend of Candyman has kind of died down a little bit and kind of fallen to the wayside. 
Um, a uh, one character sort of relates the story of Helen Lyle, the um, Virginia Madsen character, uh, at the beginning of the movie, and that relates, of course, to Candyman. But then we find out that there have been uh, like six or seven different uh, Candyman over like the two hundred year history of it, dating back to Daniel Robitaille, you know, the the Tony Todd character, and through like decades and decades of him. And what we find is that the the Candyman is really uh, an amalgamation of of all the pain and sorrow and agony of black culture over that time at the hands of the violence of of white oppressors, uh, police officers or just Klan members or whoever it is, uh, plantation owners, whoever it's been has an act of this, they, they commit these crimes that are so heinous that they create this sort of psychic energy that becomes Candyman. And then he enacts vengeance in that way. And I like that idea. I love the idea of it. I think the idea works. And I think the, I think what they're going for in that is, is this most solid part of, of this movie. The only real problem I have with this movie, I think it's a good movie, uh, is there's a character... Um, in this movie played by Coleman Domingo, who's a really great actor. Like I love Coleman Domingo, but his character is entirely functional. He's Captain Exposition to start the movie, and then he performs a function later in the movie because somebody has to. <laughs> and, and it becomes a thing where he's not a well-fleshed-out character. It becomes, it's a pet peeve of mine when a character only exists as a function to make the plot work and not not an actual character. And that's he's not an actual character in this movie. And that really kind of... It takes it down a peg for me. I still like this movie, but I, I, I'm, I'm kind of... I'm kind of off of it just a little bit because of that. Can I ask a question about that? I have not seen it because I still don't want to go into theaters yet. Uh, <clears throat> is... He captain exposition because it's in the Candyman universe, or is it just a story needed? It? it it's certainly he's certainly there to talk to us as much as he's there to talk to the main character. <laughs> but if it wasn't in the universe, would they need it? You know what I'm saying? If it I'm, wasn't in the Candyman universe, if they just did their own original story that didn't tie hmm. back to, this. I'm not sure. All right. Uh, I know he's just, he just the, he's there mostly just to talk to, talking as much to people who haven't seen the original Candyman oh. as he is you know talking to <laughs> as he is talking to the main character. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm definitely interested, and I probably will see it just to see how how they do. Uh, like I said, it's a very strong idea, and certainly that idea is present in the original. It's not necessarily as present but it's certainly part of that they do right. talk about that about the you know the, the pain and the psychic energy creating you know the legend that becomes him so they they flesh that out a little bit more here and they really you know dial in on it uh very well and i was impressed by that and i, I think i think they're absolutely on the right track with that it's just that they have again this captain exposition character who stands out like a sore thumb well, our classic is the original Candyman from 1992. Uh, what are your thoughts compared to the two? I'm assuming the new one's better. The new one is better. It's a, it's a lot better. In fact, I, I don't think I really care for the original all that much. Uh, I think Virginia Madsen's uh, a good actress, and she really does this. So the story goes that Helen Lyles and her friend Bernadette, uh, played by uh, Casey Lemons, uh, our, our University of Illinois students, they're doing a thesis paper on the urban legend of the Candyman 
and they're uh uh have i said it five i've said it seven times oh we're way over <laughs> part of me is we're like the youtube views <laughs> <laughs> podcast may end but we may go viral <laughs> uh the uh so they're doing an urban legend thesis uh on Candyman. uh they uh are going to cabrini green where this uh where they where helen believes that she can find some evidence that can uh prove that he's not real that he's a real person and not an urban legend and kind of debunk it but in so doing if she were to debunk the candy man it would it would kill him so he comes to her of course she calls him forward as well there's a lot of unclarity about that about his motivation to do her because his motivations get kind of strange they in both movies really they don't really set out exactly why he does what he does um what his motivation is like i would like at a very basic level you would think you say his name five times he appears, he kills, and that's it. But, but with Helen, he's sort of he's just sort of fucking with her afterwards, and he kills people who don't summon him. Like he kills a guy in front of Helen uh, because she summoned him, but that guy didn't do it. That guy didn't believe in him, and he still came in and you know hucked that guy dead. Uh, so <laughs> I don't really understand what his motivation is in terms of what he's doing. He wants to turn Helen into an urban legend like himself, but he he's framing her for the crimes that he's committing. So how does that help him as an urban legend stay alive? If somebody who's actually a person is getting credit for the murders that he's committing, Does that makes sense. I mean, he could have just killed her. <laughs> right. <and> movie over. <laughs> yeah. Leave some evidence of your hook and you know, yeah. Urban legend is reborn. <laughs> Uh, I don't I don't really I don't really get his motivations. I think this is a kind of a sloppy story when you break it down. The movie the, the second movie is not as sloppy because like I said they've got a much more clearer idea of what they want to do with this legend. Uh but this movie like it creates a, a whole host of problems. When you talk about I I was talking to you off the air about about the hook. And I got right. a big problem with the hook. Uh the hook for me breaks the fourth wall because why was that hook there? Why? First of all, you're killing this. Okay, he's being lynched. He, Candyman, Daniel Delacroix, is created when this man is lynched. He's a painter. He went to paint to the uh, wife of a plantation owner. They fell in love. He knocked her up. The bad, you know, the horrible people found out about it. They lynched him. They cut off his hand and replaced it with a hook. Why would you give somebody a weapon in that situation? Why would you have a hook in that situation that you're using to shove into the stump where you cut off his hand? What is the motivation to do that? What are you saying with this hook? I don't understand that. Why anybody would do that? Yeah, just uh, let no. him find the hook on his own. The, the, you know, if you have to have a hook, he, exactly. he needs to find it. Exactly. That's the only way that works. Because having it be this, having the story be that he that somebody stuck the hook in his hand doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I understand the bees. The bees make complete sense. They're torturing him. They cover him in honey and set, set bees upon him. They're torturing him. Uh, then they light him on fire. Uh, that's the whole conflagration creation of Candyman. This agony that he's in creates such horrific psych psychic energy that he becomes a legend. He becomes a monster. That makes sense. The hook makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. And the thing about it is, is that your retcon 
is perfect. I've got another retcon. If if you really want to do this, you really want to give him a weapon in that way, why not make it a sharecropper's tool, one of those sharp sides, and stick that in there? And then it's basically like the, the guys who are lynching him are saying, hey, you may think you're not a slave, but to us, you're still a slave. And they slam that thing into his arm and they you know remind him for, forever or for the last 10 seconds of his life, you're a slave to us and you always will be. That's yeah. deep. Like that's that's got a point to it. The hook has no point. The hook is basically we need something that's going to go on the poster that reminds people kind of sort of Freddy Krueger. <laughs> it's a marketing material. Yeah, it's. I mean, I guess it's just kind of a B-rate horror movie in the end. You know, I like Virginia Madsen. You know, I think she's great in a lot of things. She's not necessarily bad in this. No. Uh, but it, it's like you said, too convoluted. It, mm-hmm. the, the, so many times they could have just ended the movie for whatever reason. They they didn't. It just is complicated for the sake of complicated, and not necessarily interesting either at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it does have those ideas in the background that are that do at least grab your attention for a little bit. Uh, but they, like you said, they don't really do anything with it. I'm glad the new one does. So I'm, I'm definitely curious to see it. Uh, the, uh, I mean, there's, there are good. Like, t- I think Tony Todd's, yeah. you know, cut, cuts a great figure as Candyman. He's very intimidating. He's, you know, very. The bee scene is really good. It's a really great scene with him covered in bees. It, I, I like that. Uh, the opening scene where he covers Chicago in bees again, also quite quite compelling philip glass's score is incredible it's an oscar worthy score uh the choices that they make with that score are brilliant uh you know, helen's theme especially is uh, it's chilling uh and I, I i like that uh but yeah his his plan for her makes no sense <laughs> and without that uh i i just uh, there's just not a solid enough foundation to this movie for it to work yeah and there's and maybe it's just hindsight being twenty twenty. I don't want to be all woke at anything, but there's a nude scene that's clearly unnecessary, and it's just mm-hmm. kind of awkward. And you just kind of then your head it takes me out of the movie now, and I'm thinking about I wonder how this went down and what this you know the producers I mean make. Clyde Barker's involved. I don't know. You want to be really woke about this? Why are we watching? A, a movie about the trauma that happened to a black man through the perspective of, of a, a white, white person. Woman. Like, you know, I, just, I, I wrote that about too. that too in my review. It's like, it's that was, that's, that's deeply problematic and typically typical of Hollywood of the time. You know, you've got, <laughs> they got to do it that way, but you're, you're the entire traumatic experience is his. Uh, that's the entire driver of the entire thing is what he went through. And you're, you're giving all the story to her. <laughs> yeah. Do does the new one even reference two and three? I don't think so, but I, I I've not seen two and three. I don't know anything about yeah, uh, two or three. I didn't bother with them, especially since I didn't care about this one all that much. I didn't bother with the other two. Yeah, I, I like the title "Farewell to the Flesh." <laughs> and I don't. Yeah, yeah, I. I can't even. Yeah, I don't, I don't even know how you sequel it. And I guess I get how the, the new one is, but I I really have no interest in finding out either. Hmm. All right, nineteen ninety one for fun. 
obviously Child's Play 3 came out. We're, we're probably not going to talk about that uh, unless you watched it. <laughs> no, I didn't. Uh, but then there's Delicatessen. Yes, uh, Jean-Pierre Jeunet, the director of uh, Amelie, uh, is the uh, director here, one of his first films in 1991, uh, about a butcher who uh, takes in borders and uh, usually ends up serving those borders as meat to his uh, people who live in his building. Uh, he takes in a new one, a, a former clown who uh, comes to live with him and uh, begins to have a romance with his daughter. And obviously that's going to be trouble for him having to kill this man and serve him his meat later. Um, this is a movie that's uh, that's kind of gross and exciting and, and funny, darkly funny, uh, very clever and classically sort of Jean-Pierre Jeunet very early on his sort of... Uh, whimsical approach to horror <laughs> which i really i really enjoyed this movie a lot uh, i enjoyed every every little twist and turn of this there's there's so many clever little tiny details there's this uh, wonderful dance sequence in the movie <laughs> involving a be- a, be- a, sp- a broken spirit bringing a bed uh that's just just delightful it's a classic uh, like a like a like a silent film moment like it's great uh and there are a couple of those you know, there's a couple of moments where this clown guy does funny little tricks that are just kind of delightful and that's really what this movie is is just a series of kind of delightful stuff and then this horrific premise behind it all that's just kind of kind of great so it's got this very dark sense of humor but it's all also kind of lighthearted and sweet yeah i love the sets in this like mm. that's <laughs> it's just like the way they're shot, the way they're framed, everything about them is fantastic. Then the whole latter half of the movie is I'm destroying the sets. <laughs> but I, it was it was a really good watch. I'd never seen it before. I, I yeah. I my brother been telling me to watch this for years. Uh probably close to two decades. <laughs> uh and I just never got around to it. I watched Amelie and kept waiting for that to be dark because I knew this was supposed to be all kinds of messed up. <laughs> and even this isn't nearly as messed up as I... I mean, the premise is for sure, but the way that he plays it is very, very normal and as if it, it's just part of our lives, naturally. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is about cannibalism, like you said. And uh, I, I don't... I was... This was a really good watch. I really enjoyed this. And what else has he done? Oh man, he's he's done. He, I mean, he did an alien movie, which wasn't well, that very wasn't good. His fault. Yeah, that was not. That was to- totally pe- taken out of his hands. Um, a really long engagement is one of his movies, and I adore that movie. That is uh, him working with Audrey Tautou again, but also uh, Jodie Foster's in that movie as well. But it's it's still a French film about World War II. But it's one of the most beautiful movies I've ever seen in terms of cinematography. There are a few movies that could touch uh, that film. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much. It. I don't know if, what he's done recently. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I think Mick Mac was a movie that he did his most recent one, but I've not seen that one. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I want to watch more. I, I haven't seen a really long engagement yet. Uh, I mean, I always hear about this one. I always hear about Amelie, but I don't really hear about anything else. And uh, I'm definitely interested. <laughs> but I, I just, I loved the hell out of this movie. It was. I, I think anybody would enjoy it, whether yeah. you're into foreign films or not. It's that watchable. 
there's a running gag in this movie about a woman who continuously tries to kill herself. And <laughs> I mean, as dark as that is, the way that he plays these things out is so, so funny. The last one is just such a, a br- brilliant comedy of errors. It's a, like a Charlie Chaplin uh, Buster Keaton setup. that is just absolutely brilliant. Because it's in its own reality, like some of the convenient stuff doesn't even matter, you know, because mm-hmm. you're lost in the movie and just enjoying it as a cartoon or whatever, you, whatever it is, it's its own being. And, and I, I love that about it. And it just like the way they destroy the sets at the end, it's just very neat. You know, even being vegan, I didn't even think anything of it. I know like, apparently this is a movie all vegetarians should watch. Uh, <laughs> I didn't, I, I don't necessarily know that it's an anti meat movie, <laughs> but it, <laughs> But it's it's it, that didn't do anything for me one way. I just read about that after mm-hmm. the fact. But I just I highly, highly, highly recommend this. And obviously, uh, Amelie Amelie is better. Yeah. But this is a lot of fun for a cannibalism movie. <laughs> it's one of the best movies of '91 for sure. Oh yeah, yeah, no doubt. Uh, next week we don't have much. Or I guess we have a little bit more, but uh, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings is a Disney movie. I think that's the only new one coming to the theaters, as far as I could tell. Uh, Netflix has three movies. The Lost Daughter. Uh, Who was in that? Uh, Oh, my God. Dakota Johnson. Hmm. Uh, Afterlife of the Party. Uh, Worth. That's Michael Keaton, isn't it? Yeah, it's a Michael Keaton. It's a 9-11 movie. Uh, Karen, is that a documentary or a movie? <laughs> it's a movie starring Taryn Black, or Taryn Manning from Orange is the New Black as a woman named Karen who terrorizes her new black neighbors. Hmm. First scene of the movie is her is her out on the streets uh, uh, taking uh, washing away a Black Lives Matter <laughs> painting on the ground. And her name is Karen. Jesus. <laughs> Uh, then there's another movie that you said is very good called We Need to Do Something. Uh, just looking at the poster alone made me want to see it. So I'm looking forward to that one. Uh, classic is Gentleman's Agreement. And in 1991, we don't have much. Company Business and Cast a Deadly Spell. I've not heard of either of those movies. I think Company Business has Gene Hackman. If the poster might pop up in your head, the movie kind of hmm. case. Uh, <laughs> That's the only thing that I can even remember, but yeah, we probably won't talk much about those. Uh, what is Gentleman's Agreement? I can't remember off the top of my head. Gentleman's Agreement uh, stars uh, Gregory Peck as a man who goes undercover as a, a Jewish person to find out what it's like to be a Jewish person in in that time. Oh, that sounds interesting. Yeah, so we got. I've always, I've just always I got no no connection whatsoever to any other movie. I just really I've always wanted to watch that movie. I know I watched it before, uh, like twenty five years ago, but I've, I don't remember it anymore. And I've always wanted to go back to it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to going back to it as, or going to it for the first time. Uh, but yeah, that's our show. Let's go ahead and run the flick chart before we get there i want to remind you to go to patreon.com slash critics pod to help support the podcast uh t public go to i hate critics.net click on our t public link it's best to help support the best or the best way is patreon but that's the second best way 
and then if you want to give us a five star review, let us know about it, and we will read your review on the air, and you'll be entered it, or you'll be able to win a giveaway of a couple different Blu-rays that we have available. All right, let's move to flick chart. RoboCop kiss the girls. I hate RoboCop. Uh, kiss the girls. Works for me. The other guys, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. The other guys. I know there are a lot of people who love Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. I'm just not one of them. I would actually rather watch the Rebel Wilson and Hathaway version. <laughs> <laughs> I really like uh, what is it? The other guys. I thought that was actually a lot of fun. Escape from New York. Freddy got fingered. Escape from New York. Easily. Manhattan, Chinatown. It should be easy, shouldn't it? <laughs> no, it shouldn't. There's nothing no, easy about that. Those are two really good movies. <laughs> those are really good movies. Chinatown. Yeah, I thought we were going to be flipping, but I leaned Chinatown on that one. Thor the Dark World, Elf. Thor for me. I'm the only person in the world who doesn't like Elf, apparently. I'd probably watch Elf first. I don't really like the f- first or something. I don't think Thor the Dark World is great, but I just don't like Elf. <laughs> I win when I don't care. Elf. <laughs> <laughs> Booty call Star Trek 5. <laughs> Two different type of audiences. I would say so. Uh, booty call. Yeah. <laughs> Something Star Trek fans do nothing about. Know nothing about. Uh, Avatar, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Crouching Tiger. Easily. Best in show, Gross Point Blank. Best in show is really funny. I'm I'm a huge Gross Point Blank fan. I like. I don't like Gross Point Blank. (laughs) (laughs) And you win that one. James and the Giant Peach, Spartacus. Spartacus. 31, Get Smart. Oh, it's Get Smart. Yeah, I didn't like 31. Yeah, 31. I love Rob Zombie, but I don't. That one was kind of a mess. Uh, Uptown Girls, Time Bandits. Time Bandits. Yes. It, Chinatown. Chinatown. Agreed. The Hunger Games, the bucket list. Hunger Games. Bucket list was not very good. Never say never again, the perfect storm. Perfect storm. Agreed. Team America, World Police, Crocodile Dundee 2. Team America. Yes. Tomorrow Never Dies, Ed TV. Like I've never thought about Ed TV as much as Flickchart is making this pop up on this. I know, right? Tomorrow never dies. Uh, white chicks, demons of the mind. I don't know what that never is. Never heard of demons of the mind. I like the poster though. Yeah. White chicks, Copland. Copland. Yeah. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze, American <laughs> Beauty. Secret of the Ooze. Oh, fuck you. 
I'd understand if it was the first one. <laughs> oh, I need wind too. That's insane. <laughs> Romy and Michelle's high school reunion underworld. Romy and Michelle. Yeah. Philadelphia, you don't mess with the Zohan. Philadelphia. That was a tough one. But but it's a, I, I voted for the more fun movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Proposal, Rocky 2. Uh, the Proposal for me. Nothing against Rocky 2. I just really enjoy The Proposal. Yeah, I liked the last five minutes of Rocky 2. Don't get me wrong, but the rest was kind of boring. It, 1927. <laughs> <laughs> I was not aware of that movie. I'm not aware of either of those movies, yeah, honestly. I just get rid of both of them. Uh, you know, Cat Tales for Two? Yeah. Fuck, fuck both those movies, too. <laughs> X-Men Lady in the Water. <laughs> um, X-Men, I guess. Lady in the Water is more... Lady in the Water is more memorable, Just, but it's memorable for all the wrong reasons. Yeah. And all X-Men is is character introductions. Mm-hmm. Uh, Animatrix is in a movie. Okay. The Dreamers, the Prince of Egypt. Dreamers. Yeah. UHF, Rocky Five. UHF. Yep. Coneheads, Underworld. Coneheads. I I have a real soft spot for Coneheads. That movie, that movie. I don't know why that movie makes me laugh so much. I, it's it's not good. It's not a good movie, but I laugh so much during that movie. Crocodile Dundee, The Fountain. <sighs> Fishing with Gandhi. Fountains nowhere near as bad as Crocodile Dundee. Yeah. <laughs> Take Shelter, Last King of Scotland. Take Shelter. I don't know what it is, but I'll let you have it. Key Largo, Deuce Bigelow, Mildred. Key Largo all the way. Caché, Conan the Barbarian. Caché. Yeah, that movie pisses me off, though. Mm, I get that. But I like it, but in the same way, just like, fuck you. Quit trying to tell me I'm the problem. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> memories of the murder downfall i don't think i've seen memories of murder i definitely have an eraser downfall <laughs> downfall <laughs> it's a weird comparison <laughs> next harry potter and the chamber of secrets harry potter life of brian the gods must be crazy life of brian yeah Strangers on a Train, 10,000 B.C. Strangers on a Train. Just barely. (laughs) My best friend's wedding, there will be blood. (laughs) There will be blood. I don't hate it that much. Uh, The Lego Movie, Event Horizon. Lego Movie. As much as I like Event Horizon, I like the Lego Movie better. Bonnie and Clyde, Horrible Bosses. We hated Bonnie and Clyde when we watched it. Yeah. <laughs> I just I don't know why I don't feel I have no feelings at all about horrible bosses anymore. I guess that's fine. I mean it's not a 
land break landmark comedy, I guess, but I enjoyed it in the moment. I've not seen Twenty Eight Up. I should have. It's very very interesting documentary. Roger Ebert talks a lot a lot. Mission to Mars Commando. Commando. I don't care. <laughs> Charlie Wilson's War, Dead Man Walking. Charlie Wilson's War. I feel like you and I are the only two who like that movie. <laughs> it's very true. <laughs> Even though we pick against it an awful lot. <laughs> Spawn, Hot Tub Time Machine. Hot Tub Time Machine. Yes. Love that movie. The Silence of the Lambs, Charlie Chan at the Opera. <laughs> I've not seen that racist film. <laughs> I know of it because its its reputation is incredibly racist. The Silence of the Lambs, Vantage Point. Silence of the Lambs. The Green Hornet, North by Northwest. North by Northwest, but I don't hate the Green Hornet. 27 Dresses, Avatar. 27 Dresses. Yep. <laughs> the Good Shepherd, There's Something About Mary. Uh, there's something about Mary. I honestly believe these Avatar sequels are some kind of psychic punishment just for me. <laughs> Foxes jumping ship. I'm going to say neither of those movies are ones I've seen. I've heard of Foxes, I think. Yeah, I've heard of it. Interviewed one of the actors. I say Donna Dinosaur. Oh, for fuck's sake. Sorry. I think they just want us to end Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. <laughs> I'm just going to pick neither one because I don't really care. Good choice. I like that. I like that choice. Rookie of the year, a scanner darkly. Rookie of the year. <laughs> really? I've never seen scanner darkly, so I'll go with you. I don't hate scanner darkly necessarily, but I love rookie of the year. Amoris Peros knowing. Amoris Peros. It's a fucked up movie, but I liked it. Mm-hmm. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, The Day the Earth Stood Still. Eternal Sunshine. Yeah. Falling Down, Collateral Damage. (laughs) These are like right-wing dad movies. (laughs) (laughs) I used to like Falling Down years ago, and now I don't. (laughs) Now I don't like it at all. Yeah, I used to be so impressed by it. Like, yeah, look at he's complete. Look, of course, our hamburgers don't look like that picture on the. I, I, yeah, and then you look back at it now, and just like that's kind of dumb. Yeah. Collateral damage. The only reason I remember it is like because this was the movie that came out. This was the first action movie that came out after September 11th, and people were like, "Are people ready to go back to the movies and watch giant buildings explode again?" And then nobody went to see it. <laughs> it's yeah. one of his first. It was one of his first bombs. Really? He hadn't had any bombs by 2002. He did. He did. But like, this was the one that kind of like was a tipping point for oh. him. This was his. I mean, like he had a racer by then. He had, you know, several that last at end of days had fa- failed by then. But this was kind of one that was kind of like pushing him further away from his superstar era towards politics. <laughs> All right, then neither one of them get picked. <laughs> Unforgiven Mouse Hunt. <laughs> the door is that thing you do. I didn't have to ask you because I didn't know no. the answer. <laughs> Citizen Kane, Invasion USA. 
Oops, accidentally clicks Invasion USA. <laughs> God, this screenshot should be the picture for the episode. <laughs> right. <laughs> What? I don't know. Do you like the Good Shepherd at all? <laughs> Good Shepherd's not not bad. I don't have a. It's kind of boring. Strong memory of it. Yeah, I remember The Departed being way better. Probably watch uh, Good Morning Vietnam. Oh yeah, it's Good Morning Vietnam or The Good Shepherd. <laughs> Sneakers, The Fast and the Furious, Tokyo Drift. Tokyo Drift. I remember watching Sneakers a lot as a kid, but I do not remember anything about it. <laughs> I'll flip just the fuck it. <laughs> yeah, I win another one. It doesn't matter. All right. Age of Ultron, Avengers, or the core? Age of Ultron. The Wedding Singer, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Smokey and the Bandit, Planet Terror. Smokey and the Bandit. Hate that. Make you flip it. (laughs) I never win when you really hate something. (laughs) Fuck. Smokey and the Bandit wins. (sighs) What the fuck is a waiter's ball? Uh, Fatty Arbuckle. He's one of the first uh, major Hollywood scandals. He had an underage girlfriend or something. Was that a scandal in 1916, or has he just been canceled since then? Yeah, he was. No, it was a canceled. It was somehow it was a scandal back then. In the 70s, it didn't matter. Yeah, <laughs> you put that on the resume in the 70s, right? <laughs> you wrote songs about it. It was. <laughs> All right, last one. Not even a hard one. Due date or Fight Club? <laughs> fight Club. Yeah, we're done. <laughs> All right. At least that guy had a reason to have a hook. <laughs> what was the reason for his hook? <laughs> he just put it on there, right? Yeah, he chose that. That was his. Yeah. All right. <laughs> That's the end of the show. Bye, everybody. Good night.